You're listening to Mentoring Developers, episode 86. Welcome to Mentoring Developers, the podcast for new and aspiring software developers, where we discuss your struggles, anxieties, and career choices. And now, here's your host, Arsalan Ahmed. In this episode of Mentoring Developers, I'll be talking to Matt Eland. In this episode, you'll learn how Matt overcame a lot of difficulties that he faced and succeeded, and you'll get inspired by that. Matt is currently serving as an instructor at Tech Elevator, which is a very good boot camp if you are in the business of becoming a software developer and you don't have a college degree. He's also an active speaker in a lot of conferences, including the Central Ohio.net Developer Group and others. And he has a nice side project that I think will interest you a lot, which is something that maybe we'll get into in a future episode. In this episode, I think you want to know how someone who had a lot of medical issues and he had some serious career-ending type of situations and how he overcame and how he succeeded and now how he's helping countless others to succeed. Please join me in welcoming Matt Elan to the show. I think we're going to be hearing a lot from him in the future. All right, here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to Mentoring Developers. This is a podcast and YouTube show for you if you are new to software development If you want to be a software developer and you have questions, nobody wants to answer them, you've come to the right place. And we have a very special guest who actually does help people like you in his day job as an instructor at a code camp. But first, I want to know what made him change his career from being a software developer, manager, and getting into speaking and all of a sudden taking a, a... kind of a tangent and going off into something that most of us don't get to do, which is teaching and and training new developers. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So it's kind of funny because I'm I'm that guy who had to give speeches to the uh, to the teacher uh, over lunch, like just to her shoes in high school. Uh, You know, I I had that extreme uh, anxiety. And now I'm I'm literally paid to talk, which is just this weird thing I'm still wrapping my head around. Um, but I, I'm sort of your stereotypical developer. Uh, I was really born with this mind that was sort of inclined towards coding, and I had early exposure to it, which really helped. Um, and I, I've been programming probably f- since 1987 in some degree or another, but professionally since 2001 or so. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was loving it. I loved programming. I loved everything about it. Um, and then about five years ago, uh, something just radically changed for me. Um, and, and it was like, we were going about our business. We were, we we're building our features. And then I, I kind of showed up to work and I, I found that my, my fingertips were a little numb and I sort of started to have this numbness and slowness and sort of walking around like an 80 year old man, uh, pretty quickly. Um, they put me in the hospital and told me I had some, uh, a rare neurological uh, condition that it's thankfully temporary, uh, called Guillain-Barre syndrome. And, uh, I was paralyzed for like three, four months. And by the time I was back into work and back recovering, 
we had uh, we had hired on a, a few new students uh, or new new developers, uh, and I found that my job had sort of changed a little bit when I came back. So I wasn't doing as much support work anymore. Um, I was doing a lot of active development and a lot of uh, mentoring, a whole lot of mentoring. And what I slowly started finding was that I really loved being able to teach the the new developers uh, all about these things that I cared about and it made such a difference to me. And I almost loved that even more than uh, building these awesome things. So my, my job became really awesome uh, <laughs> after a pretty lousy time in my life where I got to go and build awesome things and teach other people how to do that. And so I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, wait a minute, I, I, I'm getting older. What do I wanna do with my future? Um, I could keep doing this if I wanted to, or maybe I could start looking at getting in, into management or maybe eventually teaching. And so I, uh, I, I, I went on and found a team lead job, but I had happened to work with uh, a woman named Katie, Katie Detour, who went on to be our, uh, our campus director at uh, Tech Elevator Columbus. And so every year, like clockwork, we we do lunch like once a year and just say like, hey, if I wanted to teach at some point in my future, what should I work on? Uh, like once a year, city barbecue. <laughs> um, and she said, well, maybe you should speak a little bit more. And so I started doing things like that. And uh, I had thought maybe about 2022, I'd get into it. And this year, right, we met like clockwork and I was like, hey, so here's what I've been up to. Uh, I'm still looking at this, you know, maybe going down the CTO route instead. But I'm thinking maybe more teaching than CTO. It just feels more like me. And. What, what should I work on? She's like, ah, no, you're, you're ready. Uh, we'll let you know when there's an opening. <laughs> it was not what I expected her to say. Um, but, you know, it, it just is this random, weird, sudden, I, I can't go into work. I can't type. I can't taste anything. I can't walk to, hey, I can code again, but maybe there's something else I could be doing. Maybe I could be helping others more. And so, you know, I, I got to, to move into uh, development and that was a lot of fun or move into mentoring and teaching. And uh, I've been doing that since uh, really since everyone <laughs> left the pandemic uh, uh, earlier this year. And uh, it's, it's the hardest job I've ever had. And it's the most fulfilling I've ever had. I love it. Wow. That's a quite a story. And I'm glad you're, you're doing better. And a lot mm -hmm. of people out there may be going through something similar, but what's good about our industry is that we have a lot of options, which is very yep. fortunate for us. We can work from home. We can teach. We can work in a big company or a small company, a secure job, corporate job, government job, lots of options. So it's yep. good to be a software developer, right? <laughs> it is. Right. So tell me a little bit about your origin story. Why did you get into this to begin with? So my dad's an actuary or was an actuary. He worked for a number of insurance organizations and, uh, because of that, he kind of had access to like this IBM PC sooner than um, a lot of other people might might have had it in their home. And so I still remember like being this little kid and sitting on my cousin's lap while she was playing uh, the original like the King's Quest games in my in, in our house. And I was like, oh, computers can do this. And then, you know, it's like a few years later, I, I started finding things like uh, QBasic and GW Basic and uh, uh, Turtle or Logo, sorry. And saying, oh, I can I can make computers do things. And so my hobby from like sixth grade until well now <laughs> has been, <laughs> you know, making computers do the things that I want them to. And that's that's pretty cool. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's just something really interesting and attractive about that. And uh, um, 
it was a lot of fun for me. And in fact, I studied, uh, I, I, I studied less than I programmed in high school and college and <laughs> maybe not <laughs> the best choice uh, for my parents' comfort, but I think it wound up uh, okay in the long run. Um, so, so programming yeah. is, is a great outlet for, for a lot of people. Uh, for me too, when I, when I was young and, you know, it, it, it seemed to be something creative that you can do something you can do by yourself. You don't need a team and you can actually make something that's great. But today, these days, kids, it is hard. It's hard to focus. They don't want to do anything. They don't think of computers as a thing to make a thing. Computer just becomes an appliance. A computer is, is for them a way to watch videos or to play games, which is great, but it can do so much more. I'm trying yeah. very hard to, to teach my kids um, how to approach this in a way that I thought people like me uh, who started using computers before the internet was so widespread, it existed, but it was not widespread. We had the advantage, we had the time to focus on. I had a pretty unique advantage too, in that when I started getting into this professionally too, like I got into C sharp back when it was in beta too. And, you know, nowadays I teach C sharp, which is awesome, but I, you know, there wasn't 20 years of history associated with the language. So now when I'm teaching C Sharp, I have to teach 20 years of its history uh, to the <laughs> students because the, the syntax keeps changing, right? Yeah. And they're going to see all sorts of stuff in the, inside the real world. Um, and we got new languages coming in all the time, but they all carry on this new syntax. And uh, most, many of them are built for existing programmers to learn. Uh, versus newer ones. And so it's, you know, it, it's a harder barrier to entry. And you look at all the things we're doing now with the cloud and things like that, we weren't used to doing 20 years ago. So, right. you know, it, it's, it's challenging. There's a lot, you know, our program at Tech Elevator is 14 weeks long, and we, we cram as much into that as we can. Right. Um, but it, it, there's just this, this growing weight of things that we expect our beginners to know. And uh, it, it's making it harder to get into programming. Or it's not, it's not impossible, certainly, but, uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> right. No, no, you're absolutely right. Because because twenty years ago, you weren't expected to know all these things because those things were either didn't existed or didn't exist, or they were so new that very few people knew. The good thing is, on the flip side, that you have now the ability to make a real app that actually does something useful, and people can actually use it in a matter of days. So yeah. that's something that we couldn't even think of, right? Just yeah. distributing software was a a, a question. It's, it was a nightmare, right? Um, just like now, if you're a musician, you can, if you have something to share and people like it, you don't need a, a record label. Just like that, we don't need to print, you know, CDs and, and discs. <laughs> I remember the days of floppy disks, right? So. Yeah, I, I I can remember buying a, a number of floppy disks and zip disks and uh, CD-ROMs <laughs> and stuff like that back in college and high school. And like, hey, if I write some code and I want to share it with my friends, I gotta I gotta get a stack of these things and uh, you know ship them out. And now it's like, no, uh, just uh, right click, hit publish, and yeah, pay my Azure bill every month. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember when I was uh, reading, uh, I was a big networking buff in college, and so. Mm -hmm. We used to read this this book about networking, and, and the guy would say, it's very legendary, I don't remember his name, but uh, he was legendary in our in our industry, and he, he said something around, 
something like there are lots of networks, right? We have the wireless network, we have the wired Ethernet and all these different types of networks. However, the fastest network is is still SneakerNet, which you basically download a copy on onto a device and walk over to the other computer. That's still the fastest. You can't beat that. You can't say that anymore. No. <laughs> Even 10 years ago, just streaming videos. That would be a crazy idea to say, I'm going to primarily just stream, live stream HD videos of all types of shows. That w- that was impossible. Netflix was actually mailing DVDs. Yeah, uh, no, was, nobody I talks about that. My mail regularly, yeah. <laughs> right. So, so technology, technology is changing. Our abilities are increasing. So now the expectation is higher. The bar is so high. So now if I want to teach my 10-year-old kid about programming and I make a little console app, a terminal app where it, you give it some input, it gives you some output, something that I I would think that's pretty cool, right? Not not that attractive anymore, right? Because now the bar is set so high. So you're absolutely right. So so you started coming back to your story. So you started early, but yeah. did you feel like you need to get a degree in computer science, or did you feel like you really needed that accreditation from somebody to say, "Yep, you're now you can now go ahead and develop," or did you feel like you just went in? Well, so I, I felt like I needed a piece of paper uh, for other people to believe that I knew how to do what I did. did. Okay. Uh, I didn't learn a ton in in high in in college about programming, um, and uh, it was really about getting that that piece of paper. And and honestly, that was a little hard for me. Just with uh, I, I had a lot of depression as a kid. Um, it, it left in my in my twenties, etc. But uh, um, you know, it was it was tough. Um, uh, nowadays, I think that's changed, and you know, my industry is proof of it, right? Like uh, <laughs> software engineering boot camps, right? Like uh, uh, we have some really astonishing uh, placement rates, etc. And people really love our grads. Um, but you know, ten years ago, that that wasn't as respected, and it's still it's still becoming more and more respected over time. Uh, and I think as we see like rising levels of debt uh, from student loans and you know, things like that. You know, people will, will start to see that, oh, well, these, these little programs, these trade schools, uh, et cetera, like the, they really can give you a very targeted education. Um, mm. And the, the other thing is, yeah, it was good to have uh, that education and that time in college to grow up. Uh, but look, looking at the folks I've worked with in like smaller organizations, there has not been a lot of diversity. Um, a lot of the people in those organizations have, you know, looked and had histories just like mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at, at people who are trying to change jobs and get into tech and, well, they haven't been coding since they've been high, in high school, right? Like, uh, yeah. and imposter syndrome is normal uh, and prevalent throughout the field. And, yeah. you know, h- how are they supposed to feel getting into it? And how can they get in if you need a, to go back to college? And, you know, we have some really astonishing people in our program who, are taking their skills and histories from other organizations and other industries and just applying, you know, technology to it. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Um, and I, I think we need more of that not less. Yeah, that's good because we have a, a huge need. There's a gap between what the world needs, not just this industry 
software, as we say, is eating the world because everything is going to eventually be run on software. You can't avoid that. So there is this current need for the current companies, but there's also this other need, the potential need for all the things that we're not doing right now because we don't know how to do it right now. So there, there's a huge gap and it's almost impossible to fill. So it's a good time to do it. But if you say that you need a four-year college degree in computer science and you need to take these particular courses, the assumption is that if you have done that, then now you are good to go. So if you've graduated and uh, a reputable institute has given you this accreditation, like you are now a graduate of from this school with a sure. four-year degree, the day after that, you are now on a project and you know what to do. <laughs> How <laughs> false is that? Uh, well, we I, I, know I this not this is not how it works. You go in yeah. there, and I don't care where you graduated from, you don't know what you're doing because no yeah. academia can never give you a taste of what it's like to work in the industry, right? Yeah, yeah. And every organization is different. They use different technologies, different libraries, different processes, and different team structures, etc. And so. You know, most of the time when you're interviewing as a new developer, you get asked all these questions that you don't even know what they're talking about. You know, it's like, what's your experience yeah. with the framework? What's that? You know, uh, <laughs> how would you serialize a large object over JSON? Oh, well, I, I don't know. I know how to serialize objects. I don't know how to communicate with things. You know, how, yeah. how do we, how do we what's, what, describe caching and its purpose? It's like, well, how much do we realistically expect somebody coming in the door to know? You know? Right. And that's uh, where versus how much can we train in. them on the job? Right. And so, Training, mentoring, apprenticeship, yeah. those are concepts that I didn't hear when I started in the industry. You're just supposed to just know it or do it or or you fail, nobody cares. They'll get somebody else to replace you. But I think there is a place for that. So somebody like you, who, I mean, you're training them, it's a classroom structure, I know. Sure. But but essentially, you're a mentor. And if if people like you or people with your role existed in companies that are maybe hiring hundreds of developers and they had for every 50, they had one person who had the role, the, the assigned role of being a mentor, they were paid to do it. Yep. Right. Then I think you would see that a lot of more, a lot more people will succeed and it will become easier to get, get new hires and retain them right now. We have a problem of retention. I see a sure. lot of people coming in, and a good number of them, they're just, they're overwhelmed and they move on or something happens to them. But it, the, but so we're missing out, I think. I think you're, yeah, yeah go ahead. I, I, I think we need to, to, to look at it also from the management perspective, right? Like a lot of technology managers get said, uh, get told, hey, you're managing now. Here's a promotion. You did really well. You're, ma you're now managing. And uh, is there focus on the people that they're now managing or, or is it continuing to do the thing that they were trying to do and build the products the organization needs them to do? Um, hopefully it's a little of both. Um, but I, I think the more that we can encourage and train new development managers to oh, yeah. mentor and to invest and to really you know, want to train and, and uplift their teams, uh, the more success we're going to have as an organization. Because, yeah, you can have a larger organization where you have somebody uh, dedicated to coaching and mentoring. Mm -hmm. um, but are folks going to listen to somebody they don't see that often versus 
talk right. listening to their manager. You know, I I, I, I think the man, the management role needs to be pretty big in the mentoring picture. Yeah. Yes, uh, absolutely. And what I'm saying is that it's not a one size fits all. We don't yeah. have this the, the solution. I've I've interviewed so many people on this podcast. We've had discussions. Um, so there are different ways of handling this. But if, as a team, if you are thinking about it, okay, we're going to have new people come in. They are not going to know maybe our way of doing things, or maybe they have different opinions and we can, they can enrich us from their experiences, but we need to show them the way a little bit. This is how every other industry works. Every, literally yeah. every single place you go, if you are a master furniture maker, you hire somebody who may have done some work, you're not going to make them go ahead and, and make your know, $5,000 piece of furniture. You are going to show them your way. The ropes, perhaps. Show them the mm -hmm. machines. Watch them. Help them. You don't just throw them into a CNC machine and say, okay, go for it. Doesn't or, work. Or have, a, have a surgeon uh, do an operation. <laughs> <you know? laughs> no, but we do that all the time. I, I have seen it. I have seen interns being asked to do critical things. And they do it. I mean, to to their credit, they do a good job of it based on their training. But again, they're going to move on. And then somebody else will have to maintain that, make sure it works. And... If there's a fallout because something really bad happens. Yeah. So people, I, I think that the, the process is missing. Uh, a little bit of empathy is missing that we can, we can just add it up. I think so, this is a, this is an exciting time to be a developer, it is. but, but I think it's also an exciting time to be a manager where you, you have the, the chance to, to sort of, train the next generation right like what you're doing we need yeah. people like you it's just it's good to it's good to to know that there are people who care about you know new developers right yeah i really loved management i was not managing uh as long as i thought i would before i, I moved on to the next <laughs> thing you know the slots don't open up that often um yeah but it really sure. is a, a same sort of a thing instead of less less focus on on building things for the organization i'm more focused on on mentoring and training more right, um, right and and even the even my role as an instructor uh you know 12 12 weeks of the 14 weeks i'm i'm wearing the instructor hat the last two i'm i'm a coach you know mm -hmm. the students are all building out their final projects and i am uh, you know investing in them and and, and helping them with the things that they get stuck on mm -hmm. but it's more like hey all these things we told you you know go and do and we'll help you you know that's really exciting um, that is we're awesome just we're entering that phrase phase now, and I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just giddy. I love it. That's great. That's great. Okay. So let's go back a little bit to the time that you were looking for your first job. Now, you had the sure. degree, you yep. had background in programming, but you didn't have work experience. So how did you get your first job? Yeah. So it, I, on paper, I should have been a shoe in almost anywhere I looked. Um, I had been doing, uh, Worked for my university in a programming capacity for .NET when it was in beta. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've been programming since I was a kid. Uh, and then here we are, what, 2000, 
2005, 2006 or something like that. And I'm this kid with a BS in computer uh, information systems and mm. uh, walking with a poorly fit button down shirt into Verizon Business's <laughs> headquarters and feeling horrible imposter syndrome. And uh, mm-hmm. I got I was on the market for probably three, four months. Um, and and I, I'm looking back and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how that happened, because I, I don't mean to sound cocky, but I, I knew, you know, I, I was right. maybe on par as a, with a mid-level developer. I just hadn't worked in an organization before, right. you know. Um, uh, and so finding somebody who's going to going to trust me, going to invest in me, going to right. um, uh, take me on, um, I, I think was was harder. Um, uh, th- thankfully, I, I found one, uh, but it, it took me a, a long time. Right. Um, I, I wonder it, if it's because your resume wasn't yeah. really attractive, or maybe you got a lot of interviews, but you were nervous. One of the two. Or ner- nervous, cocky, you know, like, how, how do you represent that? Like, how do you say I've been doing this since I was a kid without saying sounding arrogant, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know. Um, oh, I've been but, there. Yeah, I, I, I got in the door and, and that was really the hardest time looking for a job I, I ever had in my career, at least thus far. Uh, <laughs> really, never yeah, the first job like is... Like we right I love it. <laughs> right. So people want to see your history, unfortunately... Nobody has the time to invest in you or to take a chance. Most of the time what happens is they want to know that other people like you. And they mm-hmm. feel, okay, if other people like you, then maybe I will like you too. So the first job is 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 very, very hard. This is why yep. I, I tell everybody that they should work in a company. They should accept almost any position that they get. Uh, the first thing is to establish themselves in a way in and have something that they can put on their resume which helps them to get their second job which is i always say the second job that's the job you really want first job is only to get you the second job because if you try to get your uh great job in your first try before you have any work experience you you may be wasting time and you may not get that job anyway you get a job work for a year or two then get your next job and then get a significant pay bump. Right? Yeah, that's usually how it rolls, yeah. And so a lot of times the problem is we don't know what to put on our resume when we haven't done any work in a company before. Let's say you've never had a job, mm-hmm. but you but so this is where the personal projects come in, right? You you do yep. a, some projects. Here's what I did. I would I so for instance, if I'm applying for jobs. And I want to do something, maybe I have some work history, but it's not related to what I'm trying to do. So what I do is I would do my own projects, take them to a state where I'm comfortable with. Maybe they're online, maybe they're not, but at least I've conceived something, implemented it, executed it, maybe one, two, three of those. Yeah, and then and you can answer you can answer those questions that you'll get up on like, hey, yeah. what's what's some hard what's some hard problem you had to overcome? What's some technical problem with you know? Have you yeah. ever used inheritance? Have you ever used? Give me an example of encapsulation. All these things, right? You know? And you can you can yeah you can do that anticipating what kind of questions you'll get. But another thing, what I was trying to point out is, I would put it right at the top of my resume. I would say personal projects. Not hiding. These, these these are not paid, but these are the mm-hmm. projects. So now, now it gives me the chance to get the interview, and then give me the chance to talk about it, because every experience can. So another thing I see in a lot of resumes 
is that they will add, for instance, they worked at, at a Kroger as a cashier. They'll add that. They'll add a lot of experience, which is good. It's good to know that you work, that you know how to work. Yeah. But it doesn't tell me anything about your skills as a developer. So I think those are not that useful, in my personal opinion. I think it's good to have, if you have nothing, it's better to have that. But I'd rather just put a whole bunch of personal projects and links where they can actually check it out. GitHub repository, you know, just proof. You want mm-hmm. them to think that you know what you're saying and you can do the job, right? That's what it is. And what, uh, yeah. What, what about um, like uh, for for folks who have uh, completed like plural site courses or Udemy or LinkedIn Learning or something like that? Yeah. Those kind of things that should go on the resume, or I think that's a good idea. But if you've just taken a course mm-hmm. that shows that you have initiative, that you want to learn something, but that's it. Yeah. But if you haven't done the project, then it doesn't show that you... It depends on what you're doing. So so what I would do is I would have a section for personal projects. These are the projects that I have done mm-hmm. or I'm doing right now. And then I would have a section of skills that I already have and a section of skills that I would like to have and I'm working on. For yeah, me, I don't... I, it shows people, to my mind, it shows... Um, Maybe not the recruiter per se. Recruiters don't see that. But the hiring manager, the actual person you'll be working under, would be like, that person is trying to learn. Maybe it's maybe you're you're a .NET developer, but the project is in the job is in Ruby on Rails, and you can say I have done these two projects in in ASP.NET MVC. And I know about REST services because I've made this REST service, but I've made it in ASP.NET Web API. I've done all mm-hmm. that. I know about object relational mappers because I've worked in Entity Framework. And I know about dependency injection because I've done this other thing. However, I'm also learning Ruby on Rails and trying to learn the same things in this other framework, which, by the way, you, your company uses. Mm-hmm. So I think like you make you build up a story, right? And and so the hiring manager, if they actually get the chance to look at it and to look at your cover letter and your resume, they'll be able to make the connection. How is, yeah. why would I hire this person? Oh, and you just lay it out for them. I yeah. think that's... I think, I think you just touched on something that's really important is this, create a compelling story for yourself, including your trajectory of where you're going. Mm-hmm. You know, like, especially if you're coming from another industry, like, hey, right. I was I was a, a project manager and now I'm getting into programming uh, I think that my skills over here are going to help me do do this for you. This is what I'm currently learning, you know, et cetera. I think that's one of the one of the aspects that we really help our students with, and it helps them succeed and find that first job, which is always, you know, tough. Yeah. Uh, it's just being able to tell that compelling story, and mm-hmm. you know, does, the, does the, the cashier at Kroger help your story? It, probably not. Uh, and you know, circumstances differ for everybody, but yeah. but usually not. Um, right. Yeah. And that's because if, if you're applying for a technical position, I think the problem yep. is if you want to show that you are technically strong, that this doesn't help, right? All it shows is that you're responsible, which is okay. It's something, but it's, it's not that relevant. This is how I feel. Like, um, I am a manager and I am a tech lead and I do all kinds of things. Um, I've been involved in interviewing people as well. So when I look at a resume, and I see, you know, 90% of it is irrelevant. That doesn't leave a good impression for me. So that, that's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just talking from my personal experience. Because, um, 
because it is competitive, unfortunately. So how does how do you stand out? Right? How do you stand out? I I don't know how I don't have the 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 final answer, but I I know that if your resume shows the things that you have done and that you are doing and it's not so compare that to somebody who's been working at a job for 10 years yeah and they've been doing this one thing very well for 10 years one project for 10 years they be they may be very very good at this one project but they have nothing else right so unless somebody is looking for some in exactly the same thing it's not a very compelling resume, right? Yep. And yeah, getting getting that job, those subsequent jobs as a specialist is is hard. <laughs> Trust me, right. I used to be one. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and and we have we have discussed this before, but but one of the problems that I have, or I found myself in several times, is that I'm working at a job. I like the people. I like the job, but. It is just repeating the same thing again and again. And I know that within a very short time, that is the only job I'll be able to do because it is so specific to that company. Yeah. Now, if, if you are, if this is a way for you to progress through the ranks and maybe you see yourself in the next five, six years, you'll be a manager. And then maybe after that, you'll become a director or something. You'll go up through the ranks and you want to establish yourself in that company and you have this very, very specific, very good domain knowledge. Perfect. Great. But for the vast majority of us, that's not the case. Yeah. So, so then what do you do? Uh, I'm not asking <laughs> you to quit your job. Just do something else that the world wants and do it on the side. And it don't make it so big that you can never do it. Right. Make a small yeah. project that can be done, but that gives you a chance to to express yourself, right? Because people are looking to see what can you do, and and, I, I, and we don't know. So just give them the chance. So this is good. Now, once you get your first job, then after that, it would it would have become easier to get the second job, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So. And then you would get this third job and then you move up your career. Then in your case, you decided to become an instructor, which I think is a great career move. Now, I want to ask you this about, about your own mentors. Did sure. you find people along the way that would help you? That'd be like, Matt, let me show you. Let me show you how this is done. Let me take you under my wings. Did that happen to you? Yeah, a few times for sure. Um, you know, sometimes it was it was actual managers and bosses. Sometimes it was uh, you know coworkers. Um, you know, occasionally it was it was uh, you know random people from the internet. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> conference speakers, uh, plural site authors, you know, things like that. Um, sometimes you got to go looking for them. Uh, and sometimes it's 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 you got to try something uh and figure out you know who knows the thing that you're trying to do and maybe you know learn from them for the things that they've written or spoken on and then maybe reach out to them and say like hey i read xyz um i'm really looking to to progress in this you know here's where i am right now uh what do you think and and you know just take a, a tiny bit out of time reach out and say hey do you mind giving me a short answer you know um 
and and that's that can work um but it's better to find a, a peer in in, a, in your workforce either somebody you know on the same team or a manager if you're lucky enough um or somebody senior who's not your manager um who can really invest in you and i got some very good career advice um from a boss uh, actually, he was a boss after he gave notice, uh, but uh, he told me many of the things that you've been talking about, um, about about shifting and moving on. And uh, I did follow some of that same advice where I was specializing in some technologies, but we weren't really working with databases. And while I loved it, you know, if I'd stayed there for another few years, would I be able to tell a compelling story to get that senior dev job without right. a database experience on my resume? You know, um, and so sometimes you, you do have to take that next step, but... Uh, there's also, you know, happiness can be hard to come by. Uh, if you really love what you're doing, you love the people you're doing it with, like there's, there's value in that. Uh, there's monetary value in that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and it's happened to me many times where I really, really, really enjoy the environment that I'm working in. And I, mm -hmm. I really like the people. They're friendly and it's a good atmosphere. So it's very hard to leave. And I completely empathize with that. But, but you have to know what you're doing. You have to commit to that. You can say, this is okay. I will, I may be doing the same thing for the next five to 10 years. I may not learn much, but I'm going to have a peaceful life in that time. And that's totally fine. Yeah. But I if stayed, you, but I've been saying all for nine years and, and it changed like significantly as well. So, like, yeah. even if you say like <laughs> doing the same thing, technology changes on its own and you're going to often adapt with it. So, yeah, that's uh, true. But there's another side to that, which is if you feel that the company is not as stable, yeah. the company may not exist in 10 years or the management may change, people that you're working with may leave. All these things can happen. And yeah. if you think that it is going to hurt hurt your career prospects to to work in, let's say, obsolete technologies and so on, then you know you can then you have this opportunity to do something on the side. It's a lot of work, yes, nights and weekends, but do a little bit on the side to have some kind of momentum going. Yeah. So that at some point in the future, if you had to leave, you will not be you know, dead in the water, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a, it's a terrible feeling having to go into the unemployment office and not knowing when what kind of job you'll get. It, it's, it's very unsettling. But if you have a, a focus, uh, let's say that you are, you're working in Windows form, right? Just yeah. native Windows sure. apps, right? Yeah. There are tons of jobs for that. They pay well sometimes. Maybe you like the, the environment, but you know that, if that job went away, then the next job will mean maybe very hard to find. So then you say, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to learn Android development because I really enjoy that. And it's completely off the left field. It's like way different from what I was doing. But the next job should be like that. So you then you start making your Android apps on the side. It may take you two to three years to build your first app. But at the end of it, you would have an app. And at that point, you know what you will be doing next. So when that, when when now your time, let's say the company folds and now you need to find a job, you know you're going to make your resume to find an Android job and you yeah. have that experience. So it's good to have focus. But I see a lot. So what I see a lot, Matt, is that people will, their company 
uh, fires them or lays them off. And they're like, I don't know what to do now. Because I, I didn't, that's all I knew. Don't be in that position. Mm. You don't even have to leave the job too for it to be useful. Uh, yes. If you, if you're stuck in kind of an older obsolete technology and if you're not, wait till you're two years and it will, will be obsolete by that time is <laughs> generally how it goes. Um, but uh, if you're using something and, and you want to branch out, you can do the side project kind of a thing, which I do recommend uh, heavily. I love those. Um, but one of the things you can do is you can talk to your uh, talk to your manager, talk to your 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 coworkers at work yes. and say, hey. I've been working on this cool thing. Uh, I think it's really cool. It doesn't really, it doesn't really serve a whole lot of purpose, but it, it's kind of cool. And then when when the next wave of change comes for your organization and they're like, hey, we want to start this new project. Hey, does anybody know Vue.js? Oh, yeah, Matt's been playing with that in his spare time. You know, mm -hmm. it's a chance to 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 have some some new opportunities. If you get into things that you think are relevant or potentially relevant for your organization um, and you let, let people know about it, then they're like, hey, Matt, what do you think about this new technology? What do you think about that? You know, um, and, and it starts to help you within the organization. So even if you don't want to move, it's very helpful uh, to your trajectory, to your skills, uh, to how you're looked at within the organization as well. Absolutely. And it depends on the organization. Some, sure. If you're in a large enough company that has multiple departments, absolutely, yeah. There's There's never been a thing that I did in this industry that I did not benefit from down the road, even if I did something that seemed really stupid <laughs> initially. And I was like, what is it? Why am I doing this? But a few years down the road, it came in handy. Yeah. So it's always good to, it's always good to, to learn and be plugged in and you may get an opportunity in your company or outside of it. Mm. So, the let me show um our our viewers where they can actually get the show notes and links and any all the useful information that we're going to share for this this episode this is going to go on youtube and it will be also on itunes spotify all those places so the the lesson to be learned here is if you are a new developer or you want to be a developer, you can do it. There's mm. lots of opportunity. There's good money to be made. Different types of oops, different types of things you can do, and uh, and Matt's there to help you if you need mm. his help. And we're gonna put his contact and uh, his Code Academy and all that other stuff in that in the description and also on the website. The link is on the screen mentoringdevelopers.com slash episode 86 and also you can send me an email at us at mentoringdevelopers.com and I can answer your questions or I can forward it to Matt or any of the other guests. So what do you want to talk about now? What? How can people get in touch with you, Matt? Uh, so the best way to get in touch with me is on Twitter at IntegerMan. Um, it's probably the best way of getting in touch with me. Um, but you can also email me at, uh, oh, I've got about three or four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's say admin at side.dev. Okay, great. Andrew, man, I like that. Oh, yes. I, I got a... bored during trigonometry class one day and started <laughs> daydreaming. And 
Yeah. Looks like uh, a superhero. I, I was inventing my internet handle. There's, there's um, Batman, there's Superman, there's Angel Man. Yes, that's, yes, yes. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. So, 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 Matt, you're going to send me the links, and I'm going to make sure that's on the website. Absolutely. And so people who are, if you are listening right now, you will be able to get all the links on that link that's on the screen. And so it was, it was a pleasure to have you, Matt. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay. All right. We're going to say goodbye now, and we'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>